0: Colossians chapter 4, Colossians chapter 4, that's where we were last week, and I want to continue looking at verses 2 through 4 from Colossians chapter 4. As Paul is giving his final instructions to this church, he says, "...continue in prayer and watch in the same with thanksgiving, with all praying also for us that God would open unto us a door of utterance to speak the mystery of Christ for which I am also in bonds, that I might make it manifest as I ought to speak." Last week I said we would talk about prayer and the ministry and evangelism, and I didn't make it to the last part of that when we talk about evangelism. We talked about our duty to pray, that we were to devote ourselves to prayer, to, be, to persevere in prayer, to continue in prayer as he says, be watchful and thankful. And he says, praying also for us. And the prayer that he's going to have here is not only just specifically for the the ministry that they would pray for them in a general way, but in a specific way that God would bless them in their efforts to evangelize. You know, evangelism is the the promotion of the gospel message. Evangelism is simply the declaration or publication of, of the message of Christ's, Finished work, his death, his burial, his resurrection, and I think we'll see that throughout uh, the New Testament. When you look at the early church, um, they were all about evangelism. They wanted the gospel message to go forth and to spread. And uh, hopefully, we can we can see that that should be our goal today. We don't have to wonder. You know, I was thinking this week as um, we we came home yesterday from uh, vacation and and we stopped at the catfish house in millbrook anybody ever been there (laughs) um that was my treat on the way home to myself (laughs) and um i love catfish and uh i he must have been the pastor of some church that was sitting beside me and he was fired up y'all i don't know who he was (laughs) i doubt i'll ever hear this but somebody had put something wrong in the church bulletin and he had just gotten it (laughs) and i think it was too late (laughs) to catch the error before tomorrow. And, um, and I got to thanking God for how simple church services really are. <laughs> that we, I mean, there's nothing wrong. If we wanted to do a bulletin and you wanted to put prayer requests or things in there, that'd be fine with me. But it's not necessary. It's, it's not something we have to have. It's not something to lose sleep over. It's not something to get upset about. Because as far as I know, since this church has been in existence, They've been singing hymns about 10.30 every Sunday and preaching about 11, and the Lord's just continued to bless it year after year after year. It's simple. Um, It's a simple service. And you know, the, the way that the Lord has set up his church is just simple. We don't have to have committees that come together to say, what should the church be doing? We just need to go to his word to see what was the church doing in the first century, and that's the same thing that we should be about today, right? And one of those things was evangelism. And so Paul says, I want you to pray for us in verse 3 that God would open unto us a door of utterance to speak the mystery of Christ. He says, I want an open door of utterance that I'd be able to, to speak or to preach. That's what the utterance means. That I wanna, Paul was desiring that he would have the opportunity to preach to those who who were ready to hear the word of God, that he would have the the opportunity to utter, listen, to speak the mystery of Christ for which I am also in bonds. Paul was so about the gospel that even though he was in bonds, he was under arrest for the gospel. He says, I'm asking you to pray that I would have the opportunity to preach more of the gospel. (laughs) Do you see that? That was, that was his desire to speak the mystery. Let's know what it calls it, the mystery of Christ. You know, a mystery is something that's hidden, something that's unknown to, to certain people. You know, people like mystery novels or people, there's there's all kinds of mysteries that people are intrigued by. Here he calls the message of Christ that he desires to preach the mystery of Christ. And, and that is the gospel. The gospel is the unveiling of the mystery of Christ. <laughs> You see that the the God's plan for salvation has never changed. It was the, it was set forth before the world ever began. But it was a mystery. You see pictures of it in in even in the garden when when God clothes you know he gives clothes to Adam and Eve to have their their nakedness and their shame. You see a picture of the gospel, you see it in Abraham when he offers, uh, he goes to offer Isaac, but there's a ram caught in the thicket. You see it over and over throughout the Old Testament, but not like we see it today, right? Because the gospel has, has taken what was so mysterious in Old Testament times and revealed it to us today. And the desire that Paul had is that God would open up doors for him, that he would be able to speak the mystery of Christ. Not that it would remain a mystery. Now, there's a lot of things mysterious about what God has done, Right? I think it was William Cowper. We mentioned him last week. He wrote the hymn that God moves in mysterious ways. Paul said great is the mystery of godliness. He says there are some mysteries to the ways of God. If you begin to explain the the trinity, it won't take long until you you've gone down a road that that doesn't make any sense, right? There's some things that just can't be explained to the natural man, right? You can you can you can accept them by faith. I've said this before, life is hard if you don't use faith, (laughs) because there's a lot of questions that I have that I don't understand the the answers to. I don't understand how a man lived three days in the belly of a whale, (laughs) but I believe that he did, because Jesus believed that he did, and and I believe God's given me faith to believe it. You know, Paul, when he was preaching, really, in, in, in 1 Corinthians 15 about the resurrection, he says, behold, I... He says, I show you a mystery. (laughs) This is in the the 15th chapter, around verse 51 and 52. He says, I'm going to show you a mystery. And the mystery is that we're not all going to sleep. We're not all going to remain dead, is what he's saying. That one day Christ is coming back, and we will be be made glorious. We will be resurrected. uh, We will be raised. He says we will be raised incorruptible, that we would never be corrupted again. Isn't that amazing? And we will all be changed. But he calls it a mystery because I don't even know that, I don't believe that Paul knew exactly how that's going to happen. <laughs> but he, he believed that it was going to happen and he wanted to tell other people about that mystery. See, without that knowledge, if your loved ones passed away and were put into the ground and, you know, they, they came from dust, they're going to return to dust and that's all you knew that would be miserable, wouldn't it? But Paul said, I have a desire to show you a mystery. It's something I don't completely understand. But one day, your loved one's going to come forward from the grave, and they're going to be changed. They're going to be glorified. They're going to be incorruptible. And it's a mystery that I want to reveal unto you. I want to let's look at the, the book of um, Ephesians for just a moment. When he's speaking about the, uh, the armor of God, he says in verse. 17 of Ephesians 6, take the helmet of salvation and the, and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. And that's, that's, that's a figure for the gospel. The gospel is the Word of God. You know, all of the Word of God ultimately testifies of Jesus, uh, which is what the gospel is all about, right? It's the gospel of the, the grace of God. And what is the manifestation of the grace of God? It is Christ coming to earth, right? It's all about Christ. He says, I want you to take the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints and for me, verse 19, that utterance may be given unto me that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel. What is he praying? What is he asking the Colossian church to to pray for? That he would be able to utter the mystery of the gospel for which I'm an ambassador in bonds, that therein I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. He says, I have a desire. Now notice that he, when he's talking about the, the warfare that you're under and the, and, and the armor that you're to put on, he says, he says at the end that you are praying with all prayers that ultimately that he would be able to go out and speak the mystery of the gospel. At the end of his, uh, At the end of his letter to the church at Rome, let's turn to Romans chapter 16 for just a moment. He's ending this letter in verse 25, and he says, Now to him that is of power to establish you according to my gospel. And just a side note, you know, many of us need to be established, right? We need to be established in the faith. We need to be established in the church. Uh, We've we got a lot of people in our world that just aren't established. They're, they're wishy-washy. They're, they're blown by... Uh, you know, the winds of of other doctrines or other teachings. Well, I'm going to tell you, there's one that has the power to establish you, (laughs) and it's God, and it's according to the gospel. And he says, in the preaching of Jesus Christ, according to the revelation of the mystery. See, here's the mystery that's now been revealed. So you can't can't have the excuse today by saying, I don't understand the gospel because it's such a mystery. Well, no, you're living in a time where the mystery's been revealed. Have you ever thanked God for that? that you were born at such a time and in such a place where the gospel is so prevalent that it's no longer a mystery to you, it has been revealed. He says, the revelation of the mystery, which was kept secret since the world began, but now is made manifest, and by the scriptures of the prophets, according to the commandment of the everlasting God, made known to all nations. He says, the gospel has been made known... To all nations that were, that were known at that time. Why? For the obedience of the faith. Why was the gospel given? So that you would be obedient to the faith that was once delivered to the saints. The gospel is what shows you how you should live, what God has done for you. To, the, to God only wise be glory through Jesus Christ forever. Amen. So he prays to this church. He says he, he's, he's asking this church, excuse me, to pray to God for him that he would be able to speak the mystery of Christ. And that is the gospel of Jesus Christ. And then he says this, that I might make it manifest as I ought to speak. And, you know, we had some, uh, we had some fun last week. I didn't intend to have as much fun maybe as we did, but, um, uh, and I want to say this, I'm not discouraged at all. I think some of y'all thought I was very discouraged after last week's message. I'm not, um, uh, but, the main reason i believe paul is even saying i want you to pray for us is that he was given the task of speaking this mystery to other people and he says i want you to pray that i would be able to make it manifest notice that the mystery if the mystery is made manifest it's no longer a mystery anymore he says i want to i want to speak it and preach it in such a way that people understand it as i ought to speak it now, does it sound to you like Paul? Paul was concerned about the way he handled the message of God. It's a, um, you know, that's something that was entrusted to him to go out and preach. That's something that was entrusted to Timothy, to Titus, as we look through the ministers in the New Testament. And I believe it's something that we should take seriously as we go out to speak. That we wouldn't be, you know, ambiguous in the words that we use. Um, it should be every, and, and listen, I probably do a bad job of, of this at times, but it should be every minister's goal that when he gets up in a pulpit or a Bible study or, or wherever the Lord may bless him to speak and teach and preach the word of God, that the, the, the hearers, the people that are there, leave at least understanding what he said. <laughs> Does that make sense to you today, that, that, that the goal of the minister should be to preach in such a plain and simple way that people understand what he is saying. (laughs) I think I've said this here before. You've heard some people say, that's a deep, that's a deep preacher. That was a deep sermon. That just means you didn't really understand what he was saying. (laughs) And maybe, sometimes maybe he didn't understand what he was preaching. You know, you get in trouble. Preachers get in trouble when they preach things they don't understand what they mean. (laughs) I was at an ordination, Brother Charles Kitchens one time was delivering the charge, and he said, there's a lot in the Bible that I understand, and that's what I preach. <laughs> he said, there's a lot in the Bible I don't understand. I don't touch that. <laughs> I wish uh, all ministers should hear that, right? <laughs> let's, let's preach what we understand. And so Paul says, I want you to, to pray for me that I would be able to preach in such a way that people understand it, from, from, to feed the lambs and the sheep from the from the from the oldest to the youngest that they would be able to get something out of the preaching of the gospel now i want to look at evangelism for just a moment and um, you know i intended to preach all of this last week so um, i was going to say I'll, I'll close with this but i'm only about 15 minutes in <laughs> we listened to a Sonny pile sermon on the way down to vacation this week and and I think he closed about 15 times during that. So it took 45 minutes for him to deliver his closing message. <laughs> about 30 to get started and 45 to close. <laughs> um, you know, preachers are guilty of that. <laughs> um, my father in the ministry was guilty of that at times. So, um, And I've been guilty of that. But, But we'll look at evangelism for just a moment. You know, as primitive Baptists, or as, as what I would call grace believers, we believe that salvation is by grace alone. Do y'all believe that? That salvation is by grace alone, period. Salvation's not of, of him that, that, that willeth or him that runneth, but it's of God that shows mercy. It's, it's complete. The, the reason that you have, have been born again, regenerated, the reason that one day you'll be raised incorruptible and spend eternity with God in heaven is because God was gracious, not because you were good. Right? And a lot of times because we, we believe that salvation is by grace alone and for by grace you're saved, we, we will be ridiculed or, or criticized as if we, we downplay the importance of the gospel. And that could be true at times, right? Um, I'm not saying that, that we, have, we have done everything correct. We certainly have not. Um, but on the other hand, I don't want to elevate the gospel uh, to a place that only God should be, right? That it is... The, the God, I've said this many times. The gospel is, is, is not God's tool to save his people for heaven. God did that alone by himself, right? And the gospel is God's tool to convict his people. How many of you have been convicted by the gospel message? It's God's uh, tool to motivate his people, to change his... I've been changed. It's amazing, isn't it? It's, it is a mystery at times that you can hear a uh, message... Um, not about, you know, I, I've, I've listened to messages maybe how you could be a better spouse, or how you could be a better church member, or how you could be more zealous, and I like that, I like to hear how you could be a better father. Those are good messages. But I'm gonna tell you, I leave, a lot of times I leave more motivated to be a better father and a better spouse and more zealous church member. When I hear just the preaching of the finished work of Jesus Christ, they never talk about how I can be a better father. I leave wanting to be better, hearing about what Jesus has done for me. <laughs> it's a mystery to me at times, uh, but that's just the, that's the way God set it up. He set it up that by the foolishness of preaching, he might deliver those that believe. He might save those that believe the message, and he would save them from a bad relationship with their spouse or, or, or being a, a parent that needs, needs help or maybe save them from the, the pitfalls of this world he, he, he organized his church, and he organized the gospel message in such a way that just the preaching of the cross would save those that believe. Not, not, not that they would be saved from, from heaven, but they would be delivered uh, from many pitfalls. You know, when Peter said, save yourselves from this untoward generation, this crooked generation, uh, he was saying, there are things you need to do to deliver yourself here and now. And the greatest message I know of that, is, that has motivated me personally to try to save myself uh, from from the pitfalls of this world is hearing about what Jesus has done for me and is still yet to do for me. <laughs> you know, it's, it's, it's amazing. It is amazing. And so, you know, we, we, we could tend to minimize the, what the gospel is or what the gospel does because so many people In Christianity, and I don't—I don't mean this in a in a in a a mean way. I'm just comparing because so many believe that the gospel is God's tool to regenerate His children. In the preaching of the gospel, sometimes we go to the other side of the extreme uh, to to talk about only what the gospel is not. You could you could probably Google primitive Baptist sermons today about what the gospel is not, and find a lot of them because it is important that we we talk about that from time to time. But I'm more more focused, I wanna focus more on what the gospel is. (laughs) Don't y'all wanna hear more about what the gospel is than what it is not? Don't you wanna be more about promoting what the gospel is than what the gospel is not? Sometimes we get more fired up to debate what the gospel isn't than to simply press into what the gospel is and it's God's tool to motivate and change and inform and, and, and enliven and, and, and strengthen his people here in this world. But Paul had such a motivation for the gospel. He said, as much as in me is, I'm ready to preach the gospel. to You're wrong. He said, as much as in me is, with everything I have, I want to go preach the gospel to you. You know, in Acts chapter 8, that's an interesting, uh, very interesting. You know, Stephen had just been Stoned. He was the first Christian martyr. And and he is he is he is killed for his Christian beliefs. And and the apostle Paul, who we we're just talking about, was Saul at the time, is wreaking havoc among the church at Jerusalem, insomuch that they had to flee for protection. And in chapter, I believe it's chapter eight. Yeah, chapter eight. of Acts it says in verse 3 as for Saul he made havoc of the church entering into every house and hailing men and women committed them to prison. Then in verse 4 it says therefore they that were scattered abroad. Now (laughs) you would almost think that those that were scattered abroad would try to keep a low profile and go find some safety. But listen to the early church it says, "Therefore, they that were scattered abroad went everywhere preaching the word. <laughs> everywhere they went, they went preaching the gospel. See, the message of the gospel had impacted them in such a way that that's all they could think about. That's all they could. That's all they could talk about. Does that does that convict you? Is anybody convicted by hearing that today?" That, that, that is literally their whole life revolved around this gospel message that had just been... See, they were the first generation to which it had been revealed. <laughs> You know they they had lived all their lives uh, thinking about what how, how is this Messiah going to come and when is this Messiah going to come and, and 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 how will it look and they got a lot of it wrong but once they embraced uh, what it was that that who Christ was and what Christ did for them they even in the midst of persecution they went everywhere preaching the word then it says then Philip went down to the city of Samaria and preached Christ unto them and if you go on through the book of Acts it's just Preaching and preaching and preaching the gospel message. What the church needs, the church doesn't need more self-help or TED Talks. We need more gospel preaching. Y'all know that? We need more gospel. I need more gospel. You need more gospel. We need, we need to be like Paul saying, pray that we would have open doors to speak and preach the mystery of Christ, which is the gospel. We need clear, the church at Vestavia, you know what we need more of? Clear gospel preaching. <laughs> We need to be reminded of the old story over and over and over and over again. And, 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 and if you ever get tired of the gospel message, the problem isn't with the gospel, it's with you. <laughs> Something's gone wrong in your life. If you get tired of hearing about what Jesus has done for you. Here's an, let's go back to Colossians. Here's an example of what the gospel will do. For you in your life this church that Paul is now asking to pray for him that he would be able to go preach the gospel is an example of the power of the gospel in in verse 3 of chapter 1 he says we give thanks to God and the father of our Lord Jesus Christ praying always for you since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus now listen they had such a public faith that Paul and Timothy had heard about it. Do you want to have the kind of faith that people know that you're a Christian. You, you, that, that might be a good, uh, a good gauge in your life. Do people in your workplace or at your school or in your family or people you're around, do they know that you're a Christian? If not, you're probably not doing it right. He says, we have heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love which you have to all the saints. He says, you are, it's a humanitarian effort. You, you, because you have faith in Christ, you know what Christ has done for you. It has motivated you to love the other saints in the church with you. Do you see that? And he says then, for the hope which is laid up for you in heaven. So Paul is, is writing to a people who, know, who, who not only have a faith in Christ, through that faith they are motivated to love the saints that are around them, And they have a hope that this world is not their home and there is something better waiting for them in heaven. (laughs) The same thing that hopefully we have today, right? Faith, love, and hope. And now, now listen, the faith that they have, the love that they have, the reason they could have a hope is because God had implanted that love, that faith, His Spirit into their heart. But how is that drawn out? Through the gospel? He says, listen, for the hope which is laid up for you in heaven, whereof you heard before in the word of the truth of the gospel. He says the reason that you have this faith, this active faith, the reason that you have this love for the saints, the reason that you have a hope for something better than this life is because you were blessed to hear the truth of the gospel. Do you see that? And he says which has come unto you as it is into all the world, that's an interesting statement, and brings forth fruit. The, the, The gospel message, when you hear the gospel being proclaimed, the death, the burial, the resurrection, the finished work of Christ, when it is preached in a simple, plain manner, should bring forth fruit. It should draw out The love and the faith and the patience and the meekness and the temperance which God has placed inside of you. When you hear the gospel being preached, it should activate those things so that we are more like Christ. It doesn't plant them there. It doesn't give them to you, but it draws. That's what what Paul means when he says that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Faith isn't implanted in your heart by the gospel being preached, but it's drawn out. When you hear a man preaching about what Jesus did, who Jesus was, what Jesus is going to do for you, it activates that faith within you. It, it 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 draws it out, it makes it more manifest in your life. When you can see what Jesus did for you, it gives you the zeal and the hope and the strength to follow him. And you need to be you need to be in 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 Now listen, this is a preacher saying this. You need to be in church all the time hearing about it. I like to go Brother Mark, I know several of you went to the meeting at Grant's Mill this weekend. And you, I bet you you heard a little bit about what Jesus did for you, didn't you? Now I'm going to tell you, if I go to a meeting and they don't talk about Jesus, I don't want to be there. <laughs> um, you know, I, I, I love a good church meeting. I love, I love to get home on Sundays and be tired. Do y'all? Be tired. And, and there's a lot of times here at Vestavia, I go home and I, I am more tired on Sundays than any day of the week. I don't know why that is. Speaking of Brother Sonny Piles, he said, he said preaching a one-hour sermon is like working a 12-hour day. I heard him say that one time. I can't convince some of my family members that's true on Sundays. But... Then I started watching golf recently, and I'm telling you, that is a, preaching a sermon and watching golf is a recipe to sleep. <laughs> I keep trying to convince myself it's not boring, <laughs> but I end up going to sleep. But, but I love don't y'all love a Friday night when you get to hear the gospel and a Saturday morning you get to hear the gospel on Sunday after Saturday afternoon you get to hear the gospel, when men come not not just I love having other preachers here. Do y'all do y'all like that? I've tried to invite preachers here that I like to hear preach. <laughs> and and I don't want to have a, a you know monopoly on this pulpit. I want all kinds of preachers. To, I was thinking this week who could I get to. To, to come preach just on a fifth, fifth Sunday because I like to hear the gospel being preached by men who are called to preach the gospel because it motivates me. It brings forth fruit in my life. When I find that it's, it's very difficult to see fruit in my life, I probably find that I've drifted away for a love for the gospel. He says it brings forth fruit as it does also in you since the day you heard of it. And listen to what the gospel is. And knew the grace of God in truth. The gospel of Jesus Christ is all about the grace of God. The gospel message is not, if you will do this, God will do that. The gospel message is, here's what God has done, period. <laughs> it is the grace of God in truth. Oh, man. I. I I, I, I love the grace of God. I love hearing about the grace of God. Let's, let's look at, um, let's go to Matthew chapter 28 for just a moment. You know, this is commonly referred to as the Great Commission. It's the last words we have of Jesus in, in, in the book of Matthew. It says, Then the eleven disciples, verse 16, went away into Galilee, into a mountain where Jesus had appointed them. And when they saw him, they worshiped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Listen, child of God, I want you to hear that, those again. All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. When you get down, when you get discouraged, when you ask, What is going on? I want you to remember these words. All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Christ has the power. And so after he says that, he says to his 11 disciples, he says, Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And they're the go out and make disciples. That's literally what he's telling them. I want you to go out and make disciples. How do you make disciples? By preaching the gospel, you go to Mark chapter 16. The companion verse to this, he says, "I want you to go forward and preach the gospel." Now he ends by saying this. He begins by saying, "All power is given unto me in heaven and earth." He ends by saying this, and lo, now the one who has all power in heaven and earth says, "Lo, I am with you always, at all times." And in all circumstances, I am with you. Don't you know? Now here you have eleven disciples. These these are the these are the eleven men who have stuck it out with Jesus. Then there's been ups and downs. These are the eleven men who have been closer to Jesus than anyone else. And as Jesus is about to, he's about to go back into heaven, he 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 meets them alone in a mountain. And even it says in verse verse 17, some of them were still doubting. (laughs) And yet, as they're still doubting, he caused these doubters to go out and make disciples. (laughs) Isn't that amazing? If you you think God can't use me, you had not read the Bible. (laughs) God God uses messed up people to accomplish his will on earth. Because that's all he has to work with. Did y'all know that? (laughs) That's the only type of people he has to work with, is doubters and, 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 and the scared and the anxious and the downcast, that's all he has to work with. And yet he calls these doubters to go forward and preach the gospel and make disciples. But he says, listen, I am with you in all times and in all circumstances and forever. He says, even unto the end of the world. Amen. Now, when you get to thinking about spreading the gospel, proclaiming the gospel, promoting the gospel, you think, that is such a big task. How am I going to do that on my own? Well, you can't. You can't. But he says, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. See, without God without i would say this without god our efforts to evangelize anybody are almost always fruitless but with god all things are possible right now let's go back to the book of colossians chapter 4 to see that god must be with us in verse 3 he, listen this is this is key paul says with all praying also for us that god would open unto us a door of utterance he says I want you to pray with all you have for us that God, the one who promised his disciples that he would be with them to the end of the age, the one who has all power in heaven and earth, the one who said to the church of Philadelphia that I have opened a door that no man can shut. He says, I want you to pray to God that he would open doors for us. The one who Paul you know, I believe it's Paul in, in Acts 14, doesn't he go back to Antioch, and he, he recounts to them how God had opened up the door of faith to the Gentiles. It wasn't Paul that opened up uh, an opportunity to preach the gospel to the Gentiles. It was God who opened up a door of opportunity for the Gentiles. And so when we talk about evangelism, you know, often you'll hear me pray at the end of service or if maybe on a Wednesday night or, or a Bible study or sometime that God would open up doors of opportunity for me and for you. And why do I do that? Is it, is it a habit? Well, maybe part of it is a habit. But no, I know that my efforts to preach the gospel will be fruitless unless God has opened the door for me, unless God has given me the opportunity to, to, to do something, to preach the gospel. And Paul knew that because he says, listen, he, he says that, t- that, that you would pray for us, for Paul and Timothy, for the ministry. Verse 4, he says that I might make it manifest as I ought to speak. You see, Paul knew that he had some personal responsibility in preaching the gospel. Do you see that? God had called him to preach and he knew that, that it was up to me. And that's a lesson to all of us. We have, God may have shown us grace. God may have called us out of a life of sin and to follow him and given us a new spirit and given us a, a desire to follow him. But yet there's still some responsibility that we have to take, right? And Paul knew that. He says that I might make it manifest as I ought to speak. But when it comes to opening doors, he didn't say, pray for me and Timothy that we might open doors or that I might open a door. He says, pray that God would open unto us a door. Do you see that's a big difference, isn't it? When we try to open our own doors, first of all, we have limited time, don't we? Do y'all realize that we have limited time We have limited resources. We have limited abilities. And so when we talk about spreading the gospel, even in Birmingham, Alabama, we should be always praying that God would be the one that opens a door for us. You can go read in Acts chapter 16. You know, Paul goes to the riverside. They're having a prayer meeting, and there's a lady named Lydia, and it says of Lydia, whose heart the Lord has opened. I believe what Paul is saying here is that the church needs to be about praying for the, for the spread of the gospel in such a way that, the, that the, the ministry or yourself, whether it be co-workers or your friends or your families, that God would deliver you to people who are ready to receive the word. Um, and we need to be praying for that. Notice that that, that in his final instructions to this church, Paul saw that it was necessary to ask the church to be praying for that. Prayer, here's the point I'm trying to make. If we're going to have evangelistic success, it starts with prayer, not the gospel. (laughs) Do you see that? It starts with prayer. I'm going to read you a quote, one of my favorite quotes from Brother Michael Goins. It says, the ministry of prayer is the least glamorous but most essential function of christian discipleship though a believer may be physically or financially limited so that his ability to participate in evangelistic activities is limited he can and should pray for the success of the gospel through the ministry of intercessory prayer everyone with whom the spirit of god dwells can participate in the work of the gospel kingdom You say, what can I be doing for the spread of the gospel right here, right now? Praying that God would open doors. Praying that God would lead us to people who are ready to hear the message and receive the message. I'll close by by reading uh, one of Paul's prayer requests. Let's go to 2 Thessalonians chapter 3. Paul's praying for gospel success, and he says this. Chapter 3 of 2 Thessalonians, he says, Finally, brethren, pray for us. He says, I want you to to pray to God for us. And what is his prayer request? That the word of the Lord may have free course. That that means that the word of God would be rapidly propagated. That's what it means, that, that it would go forward with no hindrance, that it would not be met with opposition, that it would have free course. And I don't know if you've ever spoken to somebody about the gospel, but there's, there's really, there's several reactions you can get. But isn't it beautiful if you've ever told somebody about what Christ has done for you when it's not met with opposition or whatabouts or questions, but it's just received with joy? Isn't that a, isn't that a wonderful feeling? That's what Paul is asking the church to pray, that, that, that the word of the Lord, the gospel message would have free course and be glorified not be criticized or ridiculed, but that the message of the gospel would be glorified, even as it is with you. He's saying, I want, pray for me that I would be delivered to people, that God would open a door for me to preach the gospel, that people would receive it just like this church is receiving it today. You say, how can I pray for you, Josh? Pray that I would be Delivered that God would open a door for me that I would be able to speak the gospel to people who would receive it just like you're receiving it today. That it would bring forth glorification, not ridicule. That it would that it would it would be um, it would it would meet hostile opposition, but it would have free course. That there would be rapid growth. Now listen to this, verse two, and that we may be delivered from. This is one of the most I don't know if mind-blowing is a good word but this is a this is in in the in the with what Christianity promotes today this is a this is an eye-opening verse. Paul says that we may be delivered from unreasonable and wicked men. For all men have not faith. If, if, if I promoted, if you can let me be silly for just a moment, I think if, if I promoted my evangelistic conference, or let's say I'm going to have a missions conference, and I said the theme of my mission is that I'll be delivered from unreasonable and wicked men, the vast majority of Christianity would say the, 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 purpose, of, the purpose of the missionary, the purpose of evangelism is to be delivered to unreasonable and wicked men so that you can make them reasonable and good. But Paul says, you know what Paul's basically saying? Church, I've got limited time. I don't have time for that. (laughs) He knew that the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness, and there was nothing he could do to make them find it anything other than foolishness. Because he says, for all men have not faith. Our prayer as a church should be that God will deliver us from unreasonable and wicked men, from men who do not have faith, and deliver us to people that have already been touched by the grace of God, that have already that just like Lydia, whose hearts the Lord has opened, so that the gospel may be may have free course. Does that make sense today? That we may be delivered to those who God has already worked on, so that the gospel can grow. And you know what I I, I counted it. I counted every Sunday an answer to that prayer when we're delivered to people today. If this message, has, if this message has, has, has rung true with you, then God has answered that prayer for me today that another opportunity, another open door to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ has been delivered. That it hasn't been met with opposition, it hasn't been met with ridicule, but it's been met with acceptance and hopefully that the Son of God was glorified. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for this day. We pray, God, that you would open doors of opportunity for us to preach the gospel, whether it be with friends or family, whether it be something in this community, whether it be online. We don't don't know, God, what you have in store for us. But we ask that you would open doors for us, not so that we may grow and we may brag, but so that, so that others would come amongst us and feel the comfort and the peace in knowing who Jesus is, what Jesus has done, what Jesus is doing, and what he is yet to do for us. It brings us such peace. It brings us such comfort. It motivates us. It enlivens us. And so we pray, God, that you give opportunities for us not just me, but everyone here. Opportunities just to simply, simply even say, come and see. Come and experience what we experience. Come and understand what we have been blessed to understand, the mystery that has been revealed. Whether it's those that have never heard the name of Jesus Christ or those that are under a system of bondage and feel no relief or freedom, Lord, send them our way and, and, and let, the, let the word of God have free course and be glorified in Birmingham, Alabama. I thank you for this church, I thank you for the attention of those that are here today and I pray this message has been easy to understand but most of all glorifying to your son. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. We'll sing a hymn at this time, give an opportunity if you'd like to come forward and submit to water baptism follow Jesus Christ. Uh, you can come and let that desire be known now. Brother Taylor, do you have a song or do-